Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, another week, another big show. We have one of our biggest guests ever. Again, I keep saying this, and I'm looking at the calendar. We have like three weeks left in this season. Yeah, Chad, how is that possible? I feel like the season just started right when we were getting comfortable with what the Cubs were about to do and are doing. Now we got to wrap this up. It's hard to believe it's almost over. We've got such a big show. We're going to talk about, you know, some theories on what's going on with Javi. We're going to talk about Bryant, uh, his impact, and what we hope to see. We're going to talk about the the there at the trade deadline. Is it enough? Is this enough to take the, the, the team through to the playoffs? And we're also going to talk about the issues facing the starting pitchers. Plus, we have that new partner, Federalist Wine. If you like really good wine and you like it at a discount, our sponsor our partner, Federalist Wine, has a fantastic offer for you. That's going to be right after the sixth inning. And, Chad, there's no whining when Ryan Dempster's around. He's our seventh Ryan. inning stretch conductor this week. Ryan Dempster, the host of the Off the Mound podcast and TV show. And, of course, he's a commentator on the Marquee Sports Network during Cubs games. We're going to get his thoughts on all things going on this season. And, as well, don't forget our new partnership with the Barroom Network, a great Chicago sports podcast network that we are now a part of guys like Mike North, Mark Shanowski, Les Grobstein, David Schuster, Chicago luminaries that are a part of this network. Well, guess what? We're able to rub elbows with these guys too, Chad. So stick around because the friendly confines starts right now. Hey, everybody. Alongside Chad Gordon, I'm Ryan Lieber. Let's start in the first inning. And Chad, after the trade deadline, the Chicago Cubs received multiple relief pitchers. They got Cameron Maven and Jose Martinez to be their DH. So first things first, after Albert Elmora goes back to South Bend, we hope he can figure some things out there. Does the Chicago Cubs team have enough to make it just most likely a great run in the National League playoffs and ultimately make it to the playoffs. I will let you start with this first. You know, Jed said they left-handed relief and a right-handed uh, hitter that can hit left-handed pitching were the, the main goals for the deadline. So it was a success. I mean, this is a team that is leading the Central Division uh, with, you know, seemingly four of their stars not performing anywhere near where they should be performing and being cared, carried by uh, Ian Happ. Hopefully he's going to be okay from that eye injury and then Jason Hayward having the, the season of his lifetime with the, the 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 Cubs. So I would just share that this wasn't a team that needed a big name. Um, there's obviously some concerns we're going to talk about on the starting pitching side that if they had the forethought to know to go after somebody an extra arm. But I think this is the, what I said before, uh, dance with the girl you brought, and, and that's what the Cubs have to do. There were no big names other than Mike Clevenger that, if you want to call him a big name, yeah. that you know got traded at the deadline. So with that being said, you know what, this team, like you said, is going to go dancing with the girl they brought with, and I like that line. That works out really well. <laughs> this is a team that I think just needed to shore up. They weren't going to go out and get a big-name relief pitcher. They did that already last year, and we know how that ended. We see what's going on with that particular pitcher right now. They got a guy in Jose Martinez who knows the NL Central, played for the Cardinals, and he obviously is you know, a very solid player. 
And at the same time, they got a guy in Cameron Maven who's a good defensive player as well. So I like this team. I'm still not convinced they're the best team in the National League, but I'm willing to say go with what you got and let's see where it lands. Good thoughts. Let's move on to the second inning. And, and Rhino, I don't think there's a bigger podcast fan of Adbert Alzale than you. You have been you've been singing his praises, and now you're going to see a whole bunch of Adbert here because you've got Quintana, you've got Chatwood, both sideline. We're not sure w- uh, when and where they're going to come back. Uh, Quintana's not dealing with the, uh, the the plate gate issue from his uh, cut hand. Um, he's dealing with a, a muscular issue. And Chatwood, we don't know if he's going to come back from the elbow. How concerned are you about the Cubs being down two starting pitchers? Well, very concerned because this is not a deep pitching staff, as we know, uh, going into the season. And we thought once Chatwood went down, we were all like, oh, that's all right. Q is back. Well, not so much. So it's time for guys like, you know, as we mentioned, Azale to kind of be able to step up. And we, we liked what we saw from him and the limited appearance that he did have. And he pitched pretty well against the Cardinals. So hopefully we can continue to kind of see that growth. They're going to need it. Obviously, we know what we're getting with you, Darvish. We're going to get to him in a little bit. Lester's looking solid for the most part. Obviously, Hendricks, you know, he's hot and cold, depending on which mound in which city he's pitching in. But for the most part, the Cubs really need to rely on, as we mentioned, those Alec Mills-type pitchers, and now in this case, Azale, to be able to get them to where they need to be. Yeah, Mills really started off impressing a lot of folks, and then you just wonder if it was the scouting or if it was the pressure or what it was, but he's he's regressed a little bit. But, you know, you take those starting three. I like I like big-time John Lester in, in a big situation. I still think he's he's our guy in terms of, uh, you know, I'd go to war with him anytime, anywhere. Um, Hendricks and, 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 and you are just a solid one, two, three, and in the playoffs you really need those three solid starters. So they're well-positioned for what matters, and what matters are the playoffs. Um, Adbert, let's see what he has. Let's see what else is going to come up through the pipe. We're going to see some spot starts this weekend, especially with five games in four days, and then actually no days off for a couple more, couple weeks rather. Uh, so this is a, an area of concern, but you know what? What baseball team right now is healthy and firing on all cylinders? So let's go to the third inning now, Chad. And of course, Chris Bryant, who was out of the lineup for quite some time as he was dealing with a wrist injury, he returned to the lineup and So far, it's kind of been some mixed results. Obviously, he's trying to kind of get back into the swing of things. The one thing I do like so far is that finally he was taken out of the leadoff spot because Ian Happ has been so incredible. It's been nice that he hasn't had to worry about batting leadoff. Now, in his first game back against the Pirates, he did get two hits, but he's still struggling at the plate, still trying to find his timing. At this point, Chad, how concerned are you that Bryant is not going to get back? We kind of talked about it earlier that the core players aren't really leading this team. It's kind of the fringe players right now. How concerned should we be that Bryant is just not able to get back into the swing of things so far? I was lucky enough to be on ESPN 93.5 today with my uh, friend of the show, Lante, and we were talking about this exact issue. How concerned should we be? It's it's My answer to that was, you know, it actually feels pretty good. This is a team that's actually by 
the record dominating this division, and they've played seven more games than the Cardinals. Cardinals have a, a really tough road to go. Bryant being successful is going to be key for the long term, and the long term is what happens in about three weeks when the playoff starts, and the Cubs are going to make the playoffs, guys. It's going to happen. The question is, will Bryant figure it out by then? So the fact that right now um, he's a zero-war player batting under 200, you know, almost you know, 191 at this point, um, only a couple home runs makes me feel good in this respect. Um, he's not going to stay there. He is going to improve. He is going to show flashes of more the, the wrist injury. Hopefully that has gone away and he can be effective, but you, you nailed it, Ryan. There is absolutely no reason for him to be on uh, that leadoff spot ever again. No. And you're a hundred percent right about that. And listen, I understand he's got to get himself back into shape a little bit and he's got to get his timing down and you know get used to obviously the pitching again that you know he hasn't seen in quite you know some time but you know I can't tell if this is a good thing for the Cubs or a bad thing from the Cubs from this perspective and I know this is going to be odd when I say this but the fact that there was so much talk about Bryant getting traded or possibly not with this team none of that is even talked about right now no one is discussing that it is not even a thought that anyone is even bringing up and I'm glad about that because it could potentially mean a no one cares and we're not focused on that and b if we do play baseball next year Bryant could potentially be back because his trade value right now is not where I think anybody would want it to be and you kind of ride it out with them and see where that takes you because maybe there is that opportunity to bring Chris Bryant back but I'm jumping ahead here but that to me is something that I have been thinking about as well yeah you know at the end of the day Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant he hasn't shown a regression year to year let's give him some chance to get healthy and I'm excited to see what's going to happen in three weeks let's move on to the fourth inning and and I'm just going to throw this right to you Rhino what in the world is going on in Javi Baez's head you know Chad there's so many things although he did hit a home run the other night and I mean obviously looked really good um, against the Pirates Um, But, you know, still hitting below the Mendoza line right now. It has just been an absolutely really rough year for Javi Baez. I mean, he leads the team in strikeouts, which is obviously a statistic you never want to be leading in. Um, He's 50 strikeouts on the year. He's just a free swinger. And you clearly don't want to see that from one of your best players. And, you know, overall, the guy who basically is going to be the cornerstone of this team for the, you know, foreseeable future. Um, it's concerning. You know, I heard one theory. I don't know what to make of it, but Javi was pretty close to signing a new contract right before all this COVID stuff hit. And then, of course, when everything got scrapped, you know, during the pandemic, things kind of, you know, stopped. And so did the contract talks. And that has not been discussed since then. Now, he's never going to admit whether or not he does have an issue with this or not. But regardless, we are not seeing the same player that we saw two years ago. And it is concerning, kind of like how we're seeing Chris Bryant go through what he's going through. So I don't know what to make of it because there's a lot going on right there. And there's a lot of things that he needs to work through, but it's really between his ears as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it, it's a bit different. You know, with Chris Bryant, you could speak to the wrist issue after he made that diving catch. With Javi Baez, I've got a different theory, and I've I've I I don't know this to be true, but I feel like it has to have some effect. What is the one player? Who's the one player on this Cubs team that feeds off the crowd, that plays to the crowd, that that um you know that gets those Javi Javi chants? You know, I wonder what the effect is for Javi Baez to play. Uh, 
in front of these empty stadiums. When was the last time this guy played in front of no one? And I wonder if that is just messing with his head. Um, you know, he's he's not in the 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 kind of the the gladiator kind of the coliseum that he's used to playing. And I wonder if that's having an effect. What I'm seeing out of Javi Baez is that free swinging. I'm seeing the guy that we saw when he first came onto the scene, where you weren't quite sure if he was ever going to pan out that he was going to be a high strikeout guy. This is a guy that 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 you know if would have stayed healthy probably wins the MVP or, or gets pretty darn close to winning it over Kristen Yelich uh, just a, a year ago, but now is a negative war player. So he's got to figure some things out again. Will he pick it up once the, the season is on the line and once the playoff atmosphere starts, or is this just a throwaway season? All right. Fifth inning now, Chad. And let us talk about Hugh Darvish. We mentioned the pitching rotation briefly. And I mean, where would the Cubs be? without you Darvish. I feel like I remember the days when we talked about you Darvish. Oh, is this the best he's going to be? Are we ever really going to see a guy who's going to be the dominant pitcher he once was? Well, yes. If we could only have told ourselves that back then. Yes, he is. He wins pitcher of the month, Chad. He wins all five of his starts, absolutely dominating in the month of August. Um, I mean, to see what this guy did, a 109 ERA, uh, striking out 40 batters in 33 innings. It's been an incredible thing to watch you Darvish pitch this year. Um, what have you been most impressed about when you watch you Darvish on the mound? You know, if you remember back uh, uh, maybe a month ago on the podcast, I, I was alerting uh, fans who I said, you know, all the guys that have been down on you Darvish and have made him kind of the punching bag, just, jump online and do a little bit of research. This guy has been lights out phenomenal since the all-star break of last year. So for him to have a 1.09 ERA in the month of August and five starts, uh, 40 strikeouts, you, you listed these. I, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, he, he's a 1.3 war. I'm, I'm, I'm listing off everybody's war, but I'm mean, that's wins above replacement. That's hard to do for pitchers to do in a season. He's doing that in a month. And so, and he's on pace to doing something, even though it's a 60 game season, uh, it's not that rare for players to have a sub 1.5 ERA and he's positioned to, you know, from that statistical uh, uh, from that category. So I'm really excited about what I'm seeing. I'm excited about uh, the fact that he seems to have found it. Um, and he's the guy that it just, it's other than the, the, some of the walk numbers are a little higher than I'd like to see. He is the guy that when he's on the mound, he has a game plan. He follows it. And he, at, when he is on, he is untouchable. Chad, we are seeing the Cy Young, award yeah. Yeah. winner on the mound at Wrigley Field, in my opinion. I mean, he is um, right now in position to win this award. And that was something that a lot of people predicted. He, you know, potentially, we always talk about winning 20 games. Winning 10 games this year is obviously the benchmark for what a great pitcher will do. And he's on pace for that. And then some. Um, we could be looking at somebody winning 11 or 12 games, potentially, if he gets enough starts. That would be remarkable. So, uh, hats off to Hugh Darvish when it comes to uh, pitching this year. Let's move on to the sixth inning. And and I love this. I love that when you put the rundown together, you, you, you share this because I was going to talk about this regardless. So, you know, the Cubs are, are, are getting a little bit of a, of a reputation for uh, having a, a bit of a uh, kind of a 
energized and boisterous uh, dugout. They've been uh, they've been getting you know they've been getting a little publicity for chirping and uh, and people are coming down on them. And I feel like you know the team has really embraced that. What what do you make about all that? Yeah, it's interesting. This all started with the Reds series when you know the Reds were saying that the Cubs players were uh, doing the most chirping in baseball, and they took offense to it. And Chris Bryant admitted that they can be a little obnoxious in the dugout, but they're doing what they need to do to kind of keep their energy up. And I love it. You know, Chad, the, the thing I can equate it to the most is, do you remember when we were at Southern Illinois together and, you know, every now and then, I, I know somebody did, they would cover the softball team or you would go to the softball games and the girls on the softball team had these incredible chants and they would just keep themselves motivated because maybe they didn't have like a huge crowd on hand. That's what it reminds me of. These guys are having fun. They're enjoying themselves. And you know what? So what? Like if, and if opponents have an issue with it, that's too bad. I mean, get over it. You're a professional. You need to be above that. And if you really can't handle the opposition, you know, chirping from their dugout, then you know what? You need to be a better major leaguer because I'm sorry, if that's your issue with it, then do better, do better. So that's my take on that. What did I say earlier about Javi Baez? What did I say about the uniqueness of this season? There is no one else to set the tone. They can't feed off of the energy of the crowd. They can't feed off the booze at the at the away stadiums. They can't feed off the energy and the, the cheering from Wrigley Field. You know, you talked about the Red Series, their starter. Um, Tejay Atone said that the Cubs are 100% one of the loudest dugouts in the league and chirp the most. Well, you know what? Good. That's a team that cares. And I, I we actually, the, if you remember Brenneman before he, he lost his post for the Reds, actually was praising the Cubs. He said, these guys look like they give a darn. And so for me, I love it because the worst thing in the world, I think you can feel from a, a, a fan's perspective is to feel like the team you're following, the guys you're following don't care. You do not feel that way with the Chicago Cubs team in 2020. Rhino, now we're going to talk about, I'm so excited, our new partner, the Federalist Wine. So excited to bring them on. This is our second week. Uh, make sure you tune in to last week's episode with Andre Dawson and then the full in interview with Andre. We still have that fantastic free Cubs hat uh, giveaway. Make sure you uh, tune in. You can figure out how to to uh, text uh, a code to a certain number and you can get a free Cubs hat. What else do you know about your new favorite wine from Federalist? Wines talk about their firm tannins. I don't even know what tannins are. I know. Food flavors. You know what? I can tell you this is the Federalist. This is an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters. And you know what that is? Damn good taste. And it goes well with dude food, my friend. <laughs> it really does. It is. It's a bold choice with baseball or a backyard barbecue that you can. You can just have it and try it for yourself. You can grab a bottle. This is a really cool promotion. If you go to uncorked.com, that's uncorked.com, use, use code CUBS20 at checkout, and you get 20% off your purchase. That is courtesy of our partners there at The Federalist. This is The Federalist. This is American Craft Wine. Yes, must be 21 or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man. 
Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. You know, we're always excited when we can get some big names, and this week is no different. Of course, Major League Baseball pitcher for quite some time. He spent seven of those years with the Chicago Cubs. Now, he's a broadcaster. He does Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster, which lives as both a TV series on the Marquee Sports Network and a podcast series. You, of course, can find the full episodes of each podcast. They're available at offthemound.com. You can find him at Twitter at Dempster46. And in addition to Off the Mound, this guy also serves as a game and studio analyst for the Marquee Sports Network. Of course, you know that because you'll watch him when you're watching Cubs games. And he's also a studio analyst for MLB Network. I think I gave his name away already. It's Ryan Dempster joining us here on the Friendly Confines. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Anytime I got a chance to be inside the Friendly Confines, I'll sign me up. I'm all in. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate it. I want to get into so much with you. Uh, I definitely want to get into the comedy uh, career and the improv and the show and everything like that. But I'd be remiss if we just didn't talk about the house cleaning stuff first and talking about the trade deadline and obviously the moves that this team made uh, going into this week as we are, believe it or not, in the stretch run in the final month of the season. Um, the Cubs got some relievers. They got Jose Martinez. Um, they were able to kind of solidify some areas as well. What do you make in Cameron Maven as well in the outfield? What do you make of some of these moves? And you feel like this kind of solidified the opportunity for this team to really be the team to beat in the national league. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it was a trading deadline unlike any other, right. We've never seen anything like this in, in baseball history or uh, having to deal with a, a shortened season. And you're really only getting a guy for a month, uh, you know, hopefully too, actually, because you want him for the playoffs too, but um, it's not necessarily about going out and getting the biggest name. It's about, who do you feel like can help you the most over the next month? And, you know, a chance to maybe get a, a left-handed reliever who historically has done pretty good, especially against left-handed batters and, you know, gets a chance to be on a winning ball club and getting put in those situations to succeed. And then to add two guys like Martinez and Maven, guys are successful against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, that's, that's really, really important. So um, I, I like the moves. I thought they were really good. You got a team in first place and you, you tinker and you add, um, four pieces that could potentially help you win ball, some ball games down, you know, the next little bit here. It, you know, it, it's it's cool to see what they did. You know, it, it's hard. Everybody everybody's in it, so not a lot of people are getting rid of players. So it was it was hard to navigate through. And I thought they did a great job. And Rhino, this is this is Chad, uh, and I want to talk to you about the Craig Kimbrell situation. And we can go in a lot of different ways, but from your perspective, because you've had some success on the mound in that moment, what do you make about? Of his struggles in in a Cubs uniform, and and can tell us a little bit about the psyche, and then you know how did you how did you overcome those pressure situations when you found yourself in a in a, in a struggle? Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, you know, people said, "What's wrong with Craig Kimball?" And I, it, to me personally, and and I think I have a good grasp on both the role and um, watching him throw and stuff like that. It's it's not physical. He's still throwing ninety eight miles an hour. Um, he's got a sharp breaking ball. I just think it comes down to what's between the ears. And that's truly always the success of, of any professional athlete and major league baseball player. It's always between the ears, whatever that, whatever that is in between there, whether that's the discipline to put the workouts in, whether that's the ability to overcome failures. Um, 
no matter what it is. And I think he's just struggling with a little of that right now and not really trusting himself. And it's easier said than done. I've, I've been a guy as a closer that in 2005 was one of the better closers in the league. And in 2006, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the middle of May, a grinding home came and I was kind of terrible for the, the rest of the year. It felt like every time I was pitching, I was walking guys and there's guys on base and I just wasn't doing my job. And then because of that, my numbers suffered and even worse, the team suffered. And it's hard when you've been a guy like him that's been dominant for so long to um, to go through these these times in your career. And he puts the work in, he's going to keep working, and, you know, and it's it's like a catch-22, right? The fans are like, oh, this, why do you put Kimbrough on there? This is brutal. And thank God there's nobody in the in the stands because he'd feel the booze. And I always said that doesn't help us any. Yeah. When we're out there and we're playing, it doesn't doesn't help our psyche that you boo or you you tell me that I'm that I suck. Great, cool. I know that. I'm a good self evaluator. <laughs> so I, I think I think you know just trying to support him and continue to just because ultimately he's here for another year and a half. You want him to do well, so you know he's probably not going to get those high leverage situations. But it's not a matter of stuff. It's a matter of you know the psyche right now and trying to overcome that. And you talk about dominance, Ryan. You look on the other side and you see what Hugh Darvish has been doing so far the numbers he's putting up this is the guy who Cubs fans and I think everybody when he signed that big contract this is the pitcher we were all hoping for and now we're seeing it are, are we in your opinion seeing the best pitcher in baseball pitch for the Chicago Cubs right now yeah I mean right now no doubt I've seen it live I've seen it in person um, I've watched it calling games you know dating back to the all-star break last year um he found he found his steady. He found his zone, his place to be, and not easy signing a hundred and twenty million dollar contract to come somewhere to a new city with a fan base like Chicago. And you know you lose Jake Arrieta and you replace Hugh Darvish. He feels that, man. Hugh's a guy of pride. He, he understands what all of that means, and he's trying to live up to those expectations. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard enough to live up to your own expectations. And it took a little while, and he's got there. And I think over you know you look at over the course of the last. You know, last season into this season, he's dominant. He's nasty. He throws seven pitches, and he commands them, and he can manipulate the baseball as good as anybody. I played with him in Texas in 2012 when I got traded down there. I played catch with him, and I remember saying to people, like, dude, he does stuff with a baseball nobody does. Just the way he can move it around and make it spin and make it move. And um, he's, you know, an incredibly diligent, hardworking guy. He's one of the nicest guys you'd be around and I couldn't be happier for somebody's success knowing him a little bit and everything he's had to kind of overcome to get back to being the, the guy that they thought they were going to get and that, that he thought he was going to be when he got here. And he's also uh, sneaky good and sneaky funny uh, with his Twitter game. And so you were talking oh, <laughs> so good. And you were talking before about how the booze in the stands aren't the most helpful thing. I would imagine you would say the same thing about Cubs Twitter. If, if you'd read it, you would think that uh, this team is 20 games out on day one. Uh, in some cases, there's that faction. Um, but this is a team that's leading the division. This is a team that made some key moves here at the, at the deadline with a month to go with 30 days until the playoffs. How do you handicap this NL Central race? Yeah, it's a close one. I mean, I'm no surprise the Cardinals are always there. They're just too well run as an organization. You know, the way they are top to bottom from the moment they get a player, how they teach them to play the game and how prepared they are. And even all the doubleheaders they have to play, the injuries that they've taken on and all those things, they're always going to be really, really good. Um, I'm surprised the Reds haven't been a little bit better. You know, when you look at their offense, an offense that I thought was going to put up a ton of runs hasn't really done that as much, but they're 
you know, they made a couple pickups to try and better their team a little bit. But the Cubs are the favorite, and that's the benefit you get of starting out 13-3, and three, and you can overcome some stumbles along the way or an injury here or there. Um, then you go out there and continue to play, and uh, there's no reason in my mind why they can't, you know, A, win their division, but B, compete for the National you know, pennant. There's some good teams. The Dodgers are always good. Padres are electric right now, yada, yada, yada. But experience helps in the playoffs. And you got a lot of guys with a lot of experience who've been there before in the biggest stage. And, you know, you haven't even got Javi Baez is hot yet. Chris Bryant's been hurt and not hot. You got all these guys who haven't really been themselves yet. And if you can get them in the next month, you know, then, wow, you're talking about a team that could really run away with this division if you get those guys going. So um, I like their chances as good as anybody. And I think that they're, capable of winning this division and competing against the best teams in the league to go out there and win a World Series. Ryan, what about Rossi that you've seen that maybe you are even more surprised that he's been able to do this year that you didn't expect from him? And has he maybe even exceeded your expectations as a first-year manager? No, I I don't think he's been that good at all. I mean, (laughs) he's got a little scruffy with his beard at times. You know, that's not setting a good example. I mean, he should be clean-shaven all the time. Um, I noticed he's getting a little bit of a coach's bot. I'm mean, going to have to talk to him about it. I don't know if I need to get him a Peloton or what it is, but um, he'll get there. You know, as, as Rossi and I knew from our playing days, the best thing you can do as a manager is stay out of the way and let the players play. And, uh, and I know I joke about that, but he's, he's done such a tremendous job of that and supporting them and communicating with them and having their back. And, you know, you look at the opportunity that he gave to these guys and, you know, especially like, you know, Ian Happ, right? So he, Here's Ian Happen, this young kid with all this talent in the world. He's a switch hitter. You know how hard it is to not play every day and be a hitter in the big leagues? And then to not be a hitter, uh, not play every day and be a switch hitter just becomes really hard. And Rossi to just say, Ian Happ's my center fielder and he's going to play and he's going to play every day and you're seeing the results from it. Those are the kind of things that have really stood out to me and the way that he's, you know, had guys backs. Even the times that Kimbrell struggled to put him back out there, that's what guys care about, that you have them as a person and as a human being and then a player second. He's done a great job. And, you know, to get these guys ready and make them stay ready and um, the energy that they've shown during, you know, during this time, I think they probably lead the league in cheering and chirping from the dugout. (laughs) Good for them, man. They're a tight, tight group, and that's because of his leadership. Right. Let's let's pivot a little bit to the fan stuff. Uh, Appreciate your take on on this year's team and, and where they are and where you think they're going. But, Let's talk a little bit about your time in a, a Cubs uniform because there's a lot of our listeners that remember you very fondly. What, what, what are some of your fondest memories of, of strapping it on and, and showing up at Wrigley Field to go to work? Oh, man, so many. You know, uh, my first Major League start ever was at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. Mm. Um, June 1st, 1998, and Sammy hit a homer that day, hit 19 more that month, and um, I just remember Remember running up to center field to get ready for the game and the bleachers and the feeling of it all and just being like, I got to play here one day. I got to be a Chicago Cub one day. And then when you get a chance to put that uniform on and, you know, I always lived in the neighborhood. I still do. And you, you feel the fans and the energy that they provide. And it's a special, special place to, to go to work every day, to be your office. And I, I never took it for granted. I tried to give my best effort every time I knew I wasn't perfect far from it, but, um, you were going to get everything I had. And, you know, I really wanted to bring a world series as a player, you know, to the town and, um, you know, doing stuff like, you know, closing out ball games at Wrigley on a Sunday afternoon against the Cardinals when, you know, 40,000 are just bouncing up and down. And 
um, you know, to pitch at the all-star game in, in 2008, representing the team with all the guys that we had and winning back-to-back division championships and, uh, you know, just incredible, incredible times. And uh, I just, I love it. I loved every minute of it. It, it really was a, an honor for me to be able to play at Wrigley and remember, you know, memories and, and friendships that I developed with season ticket holders and people in the neighborhood I think my favorite thing was probably after a game, after we just win a game and the energy around there, you know, um, you see the, the fans around the bleachers or around Murphy's bleachers or Bernie's and having drinks in the patio and they're saying hi to you and you're saying hi, or you stop at somebody out in front of their stoop and play a game of bags on the way home. And you just appreciate how much they, they love their cubbies. And, um, and it meant a lot, you know, it almost felt like you were playing for, some little small hometown team yet you're here you were on the biggest of stages it's pretty cool we'll be right back to wrap up the interview talk about gambling at wrigley field and break down the cubs cardinal series you want a totally uncensored unfiltered chicago bears pregame show from the perspective of diehard chicago bears fans we've got you covered here on our youtube channel for the barroom network We've got a show called The Barfly Tailgate Show. It's just a bunch of diehard Chicago Bears fans ready to rock and roll before the start of every Bears game. Remember, The Barfly Tailgate Show on the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. And of course, be sure to find us on the Barroom Network. That's our new home, and we're excited to be a part of it, and they have plenty of great shows that you can listen to. And so we are excited that you can listen to the Friendly Confines among other great shows at the Barroom Network. So make sure to find them on the social media platforms as well as the podcasts where they are available too. And of course, our thanks to Ryan Dempster. Demp, of course, the host of the Off the Mound podcast and the commentator on the Marquee Sports Network. Such a great, fun guy. You can find Demp on Twitter at Dempster46. And be sure to find Chad and I on social media. You can go to find me at Ryan D. Lieber or at the Chad Gordon. Of course, we always want to interact with you and hear what you have to say. And at the same time, we have our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Headquarters. We do a lot of posting there, and we always love interacting with all of our listeners. So make sure to join or be a part of it if you haven't already. And you know what I love? So it was such a fun conversation with Ryan Dempster. That's that's really that's with, without a doubt within the top five of of the conversation. Just such a likable guy. Um, we're going to release a full interview so you only heard about a third of the interview we're going to get into his comedy career his improv career we're going to we hear his take on on sammy sosa here's a guy that played with sam we're going to hear about that next week when we release the full edition but you know what that means last week ryan we had andre dawson so all of our listeners when this episode runs out when you're done with this episode it's going to automatically queue up our next episode it's a special edition episode you've only heard about a third of our conversation with andre dawson so stick around you can hear 30 minute conversation with hall of famer legend andre dawson what an absolute thrill um so make sure you stick around for that we love bringing these great guests to our fantastic listeners so let's move on rhino to the eighth inning and all i have to say is what is pete rose thinking right now um my goodness (laughs) baseball has changed word got out this week that uh, DraftKings, which initially was a fantasy sports site, now it's just, hey, 
take your bets. They're they're a betting site mobile for all the states, including Illinois, that allow it. But DraftKings has just entered into a hundred million dollar. 10-year agreement with Wrigley Field with the Chicago Cubs. There's going to be a betting parlor in Wrigley Field. What do you think about that? Yeah, this is pretty amazing, Chad. The Cubs are joining forces on a multi-year partnership. The Action Network, it reports the deal is worth in the ballpark of $100 million. Listen, you and I have talked about this. Even though you and I are not in the betting scene and we're not really you know, that savvy when it comes to this stuff, an increasing number of sports fans want to integrate sports betting into their game experience. So this is something that the Cubs realize is, you know, developing and becoming a huge part of sports. And so the Cubs and other major league baseball teams, I'm sure eventually, or sports teams for that matter, are capitalizing on this, Chad. And I think this is the way that you're going to be able to engage with more fans. I mean, betting for a long time, as we know from P. Rose, was that dirty little secret. Well, it's not a dirty little secret anymore. It's such a huge part of the culture of sports, and now they're starting to capitalize on it. Yeah, it's a little bit different with Pete because, you know, Pete did admit at some point that he bet on his own team, even though he bet them to win every time. Shouldn't do that, Pete, and that's why you're in your situation, but that's neither here nor there. And, and you and I you and I were talking about this earlier today. We were, we were texting back and forth. Um so much of sport. This is the future. So much of sports and and watching and viewership is really tied to, especially on Sundays, fantasy sports, right? And and betting. And so for the NBA, they embraced it almost immediately. Baseball, football, all the sports. This is an opportunity for them to gather more eyeballs, to have people intrigued. It's not just the diehard fans anymore. And it really, truly is. So, I mean, imagine this situation where you're sitting there with your iPhone and you're at Wrigley Field, and you can literally bet a quarter on whether the next pitch is going to be a strike or a breaking ball or the next guy gets a hit. You can, I mean, you're going to see some in-game action. It's going to revolutionize the, the, the viewing experience. It's interesting, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that, that shapes out. I wonder where that's going to be. Is it going to be where the old Captain Morgan Club, which became the DraftKings, um, on, over there on the Addison side of Wrigley Field? I'm excited about seeing how it's going to shape up and how it's going to change my viewing experience yep absolutely so let's finish up in the ninth inning chad and of course guess who's coming back to town it's the st louis cardinals as they face the cubbies uh going into the weekend for what is a five game series obviously something different but as we know the cardinals have some makeup games so there's going to be a double header on saturday where the cubs are going to be once again the road team in the later game but, you know, we're going to have some great pitching uh, matchups right off the bat. We got Jack Flaherty against Hugh Darvish. So that's going to, you know, really just start things off. Um, listen, we know that the Cardinals right now, even though they're three and a half games back, they still have a lot more ground to make up in the win column if they're going to catch the Cubs. But I think this series could potentially say a lot of where the Cubs are right now because the Cardinals are the team that's closest to them in the division. How do you size it up? Well, I mean, it's 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 just so bewildering. Again, such a weird year, but the the Cubs are well until the playoffs potentially. If it happens, if the season ended today, it, I think they actually would be playing each other. The Cubs aren't going to go to Bush Stadium in the regular season, so you know, for me, my my week is set. You know, between Friday and Monday, there's going to be five Cubs Cardinal games, so I'm excited about that. How I kind of handicap it since we're talking about betting right now, um, this is a potential uh, shift. Of, uh, of of the uh, 
the division right now. I mean, this is if, if the Cubs falter here and the, and the Cardinals are on fire, then there's a really, you know, you're going to see a change in the in the in the, the pecking order in the standings, even though the Cubs um, have seven more wins than the Cardinals. But from the the other perspective of it, it's so interesting because, as we've talked about, the Cubs are, you know, with with Quintana, with Chatwood, even though Quintana was barely with us, the Cubs are down technically two starting pitchers. They technically have four starting pitchers right now. So it's going to be duct tape and Band-Aids um, for the Cubs. And then the Cardinals, I may be wrong here, but I think the Cardinals are playing something like 23 games in 17 days. So as much as the the, the Cubs fans may be like, it just stinks that the, the Cardinals did that. Cardinals are on this marathon stretch right now, and it's kind of interesting to see how it'll all shape out, who's going to step up. It's whoever is standing at the end of the game on Monday is going to be it's, – it's really going to tell the tale of how the next three weeks of this season, because we only have three weekends left before we are in playoff baseball. This is uh, – uh, you know, it's – you usually like to end the year with the Cardinals. Obviously, this year it's so different. We get the White Sox. That's fine, too. But – I think this is obviously an extremely important series. There's no doubt about that. But it's not going to be the series that defines the division because the Cubs still, after this, have six more series to play. And it could very well come down to that last season or that last series with the White Sox to determine ultimately where the Cubs are going to finish um, within the pecking order of the National League playoffs of the division. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Ryan Dempster of the Marquee Sports Network. Really appreciate it. And, of course, we are excited to have you listen right after this to the full interview with Andre Dawson. So, for Chad, I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one, and please wear a mask. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley Field Hey everyone, I'm Chad Gordon and I'm Ryan Lieber, we're the hosts of the Friendly Confines Podcast each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. Well, it's my distinct pleasure. I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. Andre Dawson, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on the Friendly Confines podcast.